0: Welcome back. This is one-on-one New York's longest-running sports call-in show, Andrew Posadas, Andrew Galata, A pleasure to welcome in our next guest. He is the radio color commentator for the New York Islanders, Greg Picker. Greg, a pleasure to bring you here onto the program.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Happy to talk Islanders, especially with uh, how we've been playing as of late.
0: Yes, some great play from the Isles, but I do want to start with with the news that broke on Friday. Team captain Anders Lee out indefinitely with a lower body injury. Considering how well this team has played, Greg, how huge of a blow is it to lose your team captain in the midst of what's been another successful season?
1: It could be big. The Islanders have been very fortunate this year to really be void of of any significant injuries. Only Anthony Beauvillier missed some time with lower body injury but he's already been back for a few weeks now so to have your captain your leading scorer potentially be out we don't know quite how long term it most likely won't be so short term considering they came out with out indefinitely that's not necessarily the best news but to have the emotional leader of your team who has played 295 consecutive games we're talking about third longest streak in franchise history he was six away from tying Bobby Nystrom for the second longest streak all time for a franchise that dates back to 1972. That just shows how durable of a player, Anders Lee has been a 40 goal scorer in the past. And he was on pace to have a a tremendous season on that top line. So it could be a big blow, but you know what? Coaching staff, Barry Trotz, he has other leaders in the locker room that will certainly step up, whether it's a short-term or long-term injury for Anders.
2: Yeah, and piggybacking off of that, I mean, you talked about they're going to need some guys to step up. What's one player that you would say needs to step up the most here with the absence of the Islanders captain?
1: Well, when we saw how Barry Trotz adjusted his lines in the second and third period without Andrews Lee, we actually saw winger Michael Dow Cole move up from the third line to the top line. We don't know if that's going to be a long-term solution and putting him up there or even the long-term plan, I should say, for Barry. But... Dale Cole has this opportunity now. He is not necessarily the greatest goal scorer compared to Anders Lee. He doesn't have any goals this year, but what he does so well is use his body along the boards, wins those puck battles for his line mates. And he, if he's in that Anders Lee spot, will play a lot with Matt Barzell and Jordan Everly. Everly's a sniper. Barzell can s- set up anybody with the <laughs> best of them in the entire NHL. And Dal Col will probably find himself in front of that. So if he's in that role, we'll definitely expect him to, to pot a few goals here. So it's uh, potentially a chance for the former fifth overall pick in 2014 to really move into a top six spot for the first time in his career. And and we think he'll be up for the task.
0: And Greg, you really have a, a front row seat to this team. Uh, at this point last year through 27 games, uh, I believe the Isles were 19, six and two. So they're right there uh, atop the NHL East division. Are there any differences between this year's team and last year's team? I mean, obviously, last year they go to the conference finals, lose to the Lightning. But from what you're seeing this year, are there any key differences that you see that maybe makes you optimistic that this team could get over the hurdle come postseason time?
1: You know what? It's, it's just such a different year. It's tough to compare because we're only seeing seven opponents. You know, the owners were doing it against a different team every night Yeah. last week. They won three straight games against the Buffalo Sabres, a team that came into the year with big expectations. And unfortunately for the fans in Western New York have been below any sort of lowest expectations. So they went three straight against a team that's struggling. Now they have three straight games against New Jersey devils. So the biggest difference is that there are no surprises because you're going up against these opponents that you've already seen three, four. And in the Sabres case, they've already seen them six times this season. So that's a little bit of the difference. Um, So come playoff time, should the Islanders make it out of the East division? Should they get to the playoffs? You know, we're still uh, only halfway through the season, so we can't uh, pen them in yet. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they match up. Should they make it to a a semifinal? Because that would be the first time you see a Tampa Bay lightning, a Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, a Carolina hurricanes type of team for the first time all year and just to compare it to last year they had that 17 game point streak a 15 0 and 2 run in october november they had only won one of their first four games and people were saying okay was last year a mirage islanders fans weren't thinking that but outsiders and from the rest of the nhl were saying was the previous year where they made it to the second round of the playoffs a bit of a mirage and do they not have the sustaining power this year they had a little bit of a slow start they had a five game road trip where they didn't win a single game late january and since then it's been nothing but wins except against the pittsburgh penguins the only team <laughs> that has defeated the highlanders since january are the penguins who have won four of the six games two of those games have gone to overtime and two have been islander wins
2: Yeah, and you were talking about this weird format that the NHL is playing in this year. Do you feel like the Islanders have benefited off of that just because of their great coaching with Barry Trotz, defensive strengths? Do you feel like they're a team that benefits off of playing same teams multiple times and, you know, just like a few weeks?
1: I I do, because Barry and the Islanders have been so good on the second half of back-to-backs, and a lot of that is coaching. They only have two losses in regulation over the three seasons in which Barry Trotz has been head coach on the second half of back-to-backs. So that's 20 plus games that they've played. You're going to see a lot more of that this year with the condensed schedule. So that benefits the Islanders and benefiting the entire East division is the lack of travel. Normally you're flying cross continent. You're going to California, you're going to Western Canada, a couple different trips a year. This year, your farthest trip in the entire division is Boston to Pittsburgh, which is about an hour and a half flight. So whoever gets out of the East and into the Final Four throughout the NHL is going to have a leg up because they're probably going to be a little bit more rested than the entire rest of the league, especially when you compare it to the, the North Division, which features the Canadian team. So you have Montreal going all the way out to Vancouver. Totally different ballgame for the East Division that is mostly bus trips for the Islanders this year.
0: Yeah. And you look at some of those teams in the East, whether it's the Caps or or the Penguins, when you look at the hierarchy right now in the middle of the season, where would you put the Islanders among the best in the elite in the NHL right now?
1: I think what you have to do is really break it down five versus three, because although the Rangers have had a, a couple of wins last week that started to get them back into the mix, they've lost three in a row now and it's created a little bit more of that separation. And so you have four playoff spots this year and almost halfway through the year it looks like it's five teams competing for three spots so you have the islanders in first the capitals penguins bruins and flyers though the flyers have not been as hot as of late as, as say the islanders capitals and penguins who have all won seven or more of their last 10 games it's it's you have to look at the Isles, the caps penguins bruins and flyers and then separate kind of the rangers in between those bottom two teams because the devils and, and sabers have struggled even more than the rangers this year and and Buffalo and, and New Jersey have gone through the COVID struggle as well, where they missed two full weeks of the schedule in early February. So you could almost put it as three different categories of teams, one that's all by themselves in the Rangers. And then the five teams competing for four spots, which the Islanders are, are thankfully in the mix.
2: Yeah. And now shifting over to this Islanders hot streak as I mean, they were like in the fourth season and then they just shot up now to right now. I believe they're in first place in the division. And what do you feel like the biggest reason was for them to get on this streak and kind of catch fire at, you know, a pretty good time?
1: Part of it is being on home ice. They, although for the first time all season, Thursday night was in front of fans, they honestly played a lot of games on the road early this year. They got back at home, just concluded a stretch with nine out of 10 at home and only lost one of those games. And that was beyond 60 minutes. So it wasn't even a a regulation defeat and the difference this year when you're traveling in most years guys can go to dinner they can walk around now you're kind of just stuck in a hotel room whereas when you're home even though you're not doing things as normal, you're still with your family you're sleeping in your own bed you have a little bit more space to breathe considering your own in your own house and the players really talked about how much of a difference that is and how they can be comfortable on their home ice compared to those road trips so they now have played more home games than road games really for the first time all season. And we'll see the balance go back the other direction, but because they've had so much momentum, you have to think that it, it stays st- strong on the road as well.
0: Yeah. And Greg, you also, the other day you tweeted about this defense and only allowing 57 goals uh, the fewest in franchise history after 26 games. You, know, you mentioned in the 2018-2019 season, they had allowed 73 goals to, through 26 games. What do you think about what you're seeing from this defense? And if they can keep th- this level of intensity, are they going to come into to the playoffs as the best defensive team in the NHL? Do you think believe that?
1: I would have to think so. I mean, there are a couple other teams that have been in that realm as well with, really allowing around two goals per game. But outsiders, of course, when I say outsiders, I mean anybody that's not an Islander fan or (laughs) Islander person like to call the Islanders boring because the way that they won in the playoffs was go ahead by a goal or two, lock things down and not allow your opponent to get maybe even two shots in the entire third period. So they play a playoff style of hockey during the regular season, maybe more than any other team. The Bruins have been that type of team over the last 10 years, and that's really the only reason why that's the only other NHL team that had given the Islanders fits over the past decade. Now New York is 4-0 against the Bruins this year. So if you're going into a playoff series against the Bees, which if you're going to get out of the East Division, there's a pretty good chance that you will have to do that. You're going to have to go up and shut down a Bruins top line of David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, the Islanders have already shut them out this season. The Islanders have already shut out the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. So they know how to win against potent offenses and do it in a defensive type of battle.
2: And you're talking about, you know, potential playoff run, how their defenses, you know, play just outstanding. Um, what would be one area you'd be worried about in a potential playoff run where the Islanders are susceptible to whether it be a certain team or just kind of an area of the game where the Islanders struggle?
1: I just have to lean on Barry Trotz and what he said kind of after the season came to an end last year, just looking for a little more pop offensively. They've had it this year, considering going into Thursday night's game. I I have to double check to see if this status is still true. But going into Thursday night's game, they were the only team in the NHL with five goal scorers who have had nine or more goals this season, one of whom Anders Lee, unfortunately, will be out, whether it's short-term or long-term, we don't know yet but that's been the difference where they've been getting scoring up and down the lineup where in the playoffs last year, maybe you had to rely one game on the second line, which is Josh Bailey, Anthony Beauvillier, and Brock Nelson. One game you had to rely on the first line, but now they've been getting scoring up and down all four lines and Nick Letty on the blue line. He's not putting in so many goals, but he's leading the team in assists. Are you getting it from the defense as well? So we'll see if, if Anders Lee is out for a little while, maybe, the only benefit is it gives you some more cap flexibility to make a, a move before the trade deadline, which prior to any type of potential long-term injury, the honors have really no room to bring anybody in. So maybe they'll, they'll go out and get a winger, but again, too early to say.
0: Greg, I also want to get your perspective on this, obviously, this week marks uh, the one-year anniversary uh, as to when Rudy Gobert tested positive and we saw sports go on a hiatus for, for multiple months. As someone who, who works in sports media as a color commentator, obviously, Andrew and myself, you know, we've had that experience here at Fordham having to navigate without sports. How was the last year just for you personally? And, and what does it mean to have fans back in the stands and to kind of have a sense of normalcy this season?
1: Last year was strange. Uh, we had the playoff run, and that was all in Toronto and Edmonton for the Islanders, where Chris King and I, my, my partner, were at Hostra's radio studios in Hempstead mm-hmm. on Long Island. So we were watching from hundreds of miles away from Toronto and thousands of miles away from Edmonton. So that took a huge adjustment. Thankfully, the Islanders went on a run of over 20 games, so we got used to it. And yes, it was frustrating not being there in person to see those games. And especially when the Islanders made it to the conference final for the first time since 1993, be able to be there and, and actually bask in it, if you will, and and come out and from a studio and not see 18,000 fans celebrating, just seeing an empty hallway. So that was strange, but it was still a fun run and, and certainly happy to be a part of it. Even if it was from uh, far away from the rink for the first home games this year, that were not, in front of fans you could almost call it a sterile environment and then when you had a thousand healthcare heroes back at the Coliseum the other night it was just a much different vibe even though the arena seats are almost 14,000 there are only a thousand people there it felt like a lot more considering the cardboard cutouts were scattered around so you looked around the rink and it didn't feel like a a completely empty environment so you know what it's just a step back to normalcy and, and hopefully by the time next year comes in October the Islanders will be Opening up UBS Arena, scheduled to open our, in October. And we could have ourselves a fully normal home opener that we've been anticipating for so many years.
2: Yeah, and just my last question is just because, I mean, the Islanders, they play great at home too. Like the energy that the fans now finally get to bring because as you said, like they went through a whole playoff run, which for the Islanders hasn't happened in a really long time. And they were all, you know, at home watching it on TV. Now they get to go to the arena. What do you think that brings to the, to the team, the energy around the team? Like what would that just all that just cooped up fan energy bring to the coliseum
1: yeah the players have talked about it. they've missed it they got used to playing without fans considering the long run in the two bubbles in in toronto and edmonton but they know what a full coliseum can bring they know what a half full coliseum can bring and they know now what a 1000 to 1300 uh, fan experience can bring and that's a loud environment because of that low roof and because of the passion of the islanders fans so i i think the different, the biggest difference to me when you were seeing games without fans weren't the goals because you still had the horn you still had the fake crowd there were some big hits that were thrown i remember a game against the pittsburgh penguins where evgeny Malkin was actually just tossed to the ice completely legal check and it was silent if it was a packed building the entire roof would have blown off and it wasn't a goal it was just on a hit it would have brought energy to the team for the next couple of shifts, but it, it barely made a dent because there was nobody there. So that's, I think the biggest difference, not the goals, but the the t- other type of moments the hits, the big saves, that's where you'll feel it even more.
0: He is the radio color commentator for the New York Islanders. He is Greg Picker. Greg, appreciate you joining us here on one and, on one on one and hope to have you back on the program sometime soon.
1: Thanks guys. Really uh, an enjoyable experience being here.
0: Thank you.